The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to NFL Draft Coverage on BGN. The Philadelphia Eagles are on the clock. It is officially draft week, and as such, we have some special shows coming up. First off, I'm your host, Michael Kist. Follow my work over at BleedingGreenNation.com. Also, shout out to SB Nation for making all of this possible. This week, in anticipation of the 2019 NFL Draft, I am reaching out to some evaluators that I trust to talk about specific positions in this class. These are all guys that I know personally or have worked with at other spots before, and I value their opinion when it comes to these respective positions to give me the best insight possible. We're going to fit in as many as we can during this quick ramp up to the NFL draft to accentuate our regularly scheduled coverage on the Kiss and Solak show and BJN radio among others in part to make sure that some of the prospects that we might not have delved into as deeply as others previous to this week get their due and to make sure you're the most informed listener and draft Nick possible come Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Later today we're going to have a talk with Brandon Thorne who was involved with the OL Mastermind Summit run by Duke Mannyweather who also trains Lane Johnson, and Brandon was there along with a bevy of other top-tier offensive linemen, so the guy has been around it and knows his stuff. But first, today, right now, we're going to talk with my buddy Owen Reese, who has college experience playing interior offensive line and is one of the best minds I know when it comes to the interior offensive line positions. You can follow him on Twitter at Reese Draft. That's R-I-E-S-E. He writes for Bucky's Fifth Quarter, the SB Nation Wisconsin Badgers site. He's also worked with me at Inside the Pylon, and he contributed to the Cheesehead TV 2019 Pro Football Draft Guide, which is an excellent resource. I threw the link in for that in the show notes. All right, the clock is ticking as we approach the 2019 NFL Draft. Let's not waste any more time. Here is my chat with Owen Reese. Owen, it's good to talk with you again, man. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We're uh, nearing closer and closer to the draft, and I'm getting more and more ready by the second for it to be done <laughs> with, but we're doing well. I can't complain. Absolutely, man. It's been a couple months since we got to th- It's almost been three months since we roomed together in Mobile, Alabama, for the senior bowl i miss you bud how you been it was i think 65 degrees here yesterday <laughs> which makes it about 110 degrees warmer than it was uh the week after i got back from mobile so yeah. that was good you know getting closer and closer to the draft and the packers have done quite a bit since then which which makes things more interesting uh the natives are a little less restless here <laughs> than normal so um 
Yeah, man, we're good. Well, the Packers thing should let the listeners know where you're from, and hopefully they're not freaking out about uh, Daniel Jeremiah mocking you guys. Drew Locke, we just talked about that on the QB Sco show last time around, so that would be uh, fascinating. But we're not here to talk quarterbacks. I'll save you of that. We're here to talk about interior offensive linemen, which is a position that the Eagles could target and are thinking into it when me and Benjamin Solak did the needs by position show was that if they're going to take an interior offensive lineman, they're going to do it early. If not, they're going to stick with Siamalu and Matt Pryor as a backup and move forward from there. But there is that spot that they can upgrade. Brandon Brooks has the whole thing. We've gone over it 100 times. So we are possibly looking at that. And then also, sometimes you draft for the future, and sometimes you do it really high. And Jason Kelsey just talked about at OTAs that he was really mulling over retirement, and this could be his last year. It's going to be a year-by-year thing with him. So I'll start with the center that, that I absolutely love. He is in my top 10. I think you're a big fan as well. He is Garrett Bradbury out of NC State. Daniel Jeremiah called him the Grim Reacher. What do you think about my boy Bradbury? Yeah, you mean baby Kelsey? <laughs> no, he's he's really good. Uh, his tape against Boston College was probably the best tape I've seen this year. Yeah. I remember the, the first time I watched it, just immediate thought was Jalen Ramsey 2014 versus Miami. Right. That was the like the best tape I had seen, you know, for quite some time. But but yeah, Bradbury was insane in that Boston College game. They have a like an undrafted free agent D lineman named I believe his name is Rob Smith. He's at number 96. He and Bradbury kind of went back and forth throughout the game. But yeah, I mean, he's just once you learn about his his tight end background, it, it really bears clear. You know, he's he's so so loose in the hips and so able to just no no issues uh, making reach blocks at all. You see him reach a three a couple of times in that Boston College game. Yeah. Two eyes, just just he's an effortless mover. You know, and it's one of those things where as an offensive lineman, the easiest thing to do is turn your hips too quick when you're trying to reach somebody. You you kind of you start running with them and you flip your hips because you think you've got them. But when you flip your hips, you slow yourself down. Um, you know, a lot of times they get through that. He has no issue with that. He can he pushes that back hip through nice and easy and, and gets where he needs to go. That was the first thing to me is he's, you know, I think he weighed in at just over 303 in Mobile. I don't think that's his real weight. Um, I think he's probably a little closer to 295 or right. or just a little less, which is right around that Kelsey range. And that's the first person that I thought of uh, watching him was just that elite level agility and, and lateral mobility and the ability to get to the second level and, and have that balance and athleticism to kind of deal with the linebackers there. So I think he would make a lot of sense for the Eagles. Um, the first thing I know you and I down in Mobile sat next to a Ram scout and, and watched him and we made the remark that they should draft him. Uh, to replace John Sullivan um, in that that zone scheme that the Rams have, but yep. depending on how you know within the building how long that they think that Kelsey uh, will continue to play, I think would probably dictate their thinking here a bit. But that's about as seamless of a, a transition. Or I don't think you can replace quote unquote tr- uh, Jason Kelsey, but that's that's your guy, man. That's like the carbon copy right behind him. Yeah, it's so weird. I don't do comps. I'm not a big comp guy, but when I watch him and I watch a ton of Jason Kelsey. And I love his game. I appreciate his game. I think he's the best center in the league over the past couple of years. And when I watch Bradbury, I get serious Kelsey flashes. They got the same strengths, the same weaknesses. So, yeah, I think that would be a really easy transition, even if he's not, you know, at Kelsey's level right away, which Kelsey, let's keep in mind. Kelsey was not an all pro like out the gate. It took him a few years to reach where he got to go. He was a six round pick undervalued. But now a guy like Bradbury comes in. He would be able to come and fill in and, and just really keep it moving at that center position for years to come. Right. And I think he would have to take over at that center spot. And I knew you and I had talked about that uh, down there as well. I think he is as athletic and as 
quick as he is, I think that you you do see some of that. He sacrifices some ability to anchor at times. I mean, it makes sense. And the same thing with with Kelsey. That's not how they win. That's not them. Yeah. So it's not a knock on them, uh, but it's just simply something to keep in mind and uh, something to kind of positions to keep them out of. You know, when you're in that center spot in the slide, mm-hmm. you're protected a lot. You should have help either side. Um, yep. And that's obviously you've seen Kelsey. I don't know if I think he could do it. It wouldn't be bad, but I don't think you would want him in a ton of one on one pass rush stuff with a three tech because I think they could bull rush him. Yep. Doesn't have much help there. But outside of that, I mean, he's probably a center only uh, as far as like anything above average in the NFL. But, yeah, I, I think his his uh, his ceiling is at the sky, you know, that, that there's no yeah. limit to how good he can be with his movement skills as rare as those are. And it's interesting with Kelsey, you brought up a great point. And because Kelsey is so refined in his technique, you don't see it as much. But he does the, the one area in his game that's always been an issue for him is taking on that bull rush. And that's totally fine. You understand those limitations, you work around it, and then you play to his strengths like the Eagles offense does. And he's really just a catalyst for that offense. So getting another piece like that would be amazing for the long-term future. Let's talk about another guy that they could instantly upgrade the offensive line with. Let's talk about Chris Lindstrom from Boston College, the guard who I got to see, we got to see down in Mobile, Alabama. And there was a drive where him and Reisner took over and marched right down the field. Lindstrom's a nasty dude. He's a go-getter. I think he fits well in his own scheme as well. He's got some movement skills. What do you think about his game overall? See, I really like him because I I uh, had seen Joe Marino uh, from the Draft Network mention him quite a bit. And just me kind of knowing how Boston College is basically – so, like, obviously I'm a, a, I am live in Wisconsin. I'm a Wisconsin fan. Um, and to me, I kind of see Boston College as like Wisconsin East Coast. They have a lot of that. They run a lot of outside zone stuff and, and they have their their talented back there as well. But I expected Lindstrom to be a bit more more of a brute uh, type yeah. of player, someone like Dalton Reisner. And really, he's I mean, while he doesn't lack physicality or anything, he's much more athletic than I, than I would have given him credit for based on what you would think a Boston College offensive lineman would be. And that was the thing is you saw him uh, able to cut off a lot on the backside outside zone, be able to reach that will linebacker, which is the so important. You know, a lot of times that that running back's got that safety as the free hitter, but uh, that a lot of times that backside guard and center combo doesn't get up to the will. And that's him scraping over the top. That's who kills that that outside zone. Um, You know, so seeing him have the ability to do that, uh, he's a really easy mover. Again, like he's not Bradbury's level, but very agile for a bigger guy. And I think unlike Bradbury, I think he could probably survive at a couple different positions. I think he's optimally a guard. Uh, yeah. and I think he's probably a plug and play day one right guard. But I think that he's played right tackle in the past. And I think mm-hmm. that in an absolute pinch, uh, as you've seen uh, with the Eagles have kind of had to move people around a few years ago, Matt Tobin uh, was kind of that guy for you guys. And yeah. he kind of bounce around and play, you know, tackle for a few plays or, the, you know, a half to get you out of a game. Yeah, Siamalu does the same thing. Yep, and I think Lindstrom could probably do that as well. But I think he has uh, a pretty high ceiling as a guard. Uh, I don't know if he's he's an all-pro or anything, but I don't, I don't think um, he's a guy that you can draft uh, either late in that first round or, or somewhere in the second round and mm. put him at right guard and not have to worry about that spot for quite a few years. You mentioned Dalton Reisner. We both talked about him. Do you see him as a tackle or a guard? I think he can fill in in a pinch at tackle, but I think I want to develop him long-term as a guard. I feel much better about who he is right now at that position. And usually I'm a guy that likes to keep people at tackle unless they prove they can't do it and then I kick him in. But with Reisner, I do see a guard. See, and that's what I'm, I'm kind of in the camp of. I think you'd probably make him, you know, let him have the chance to prove that he can't be a tackle mm. the, the lens I've been looking at it through for the past few months you know with the Packers they have Brian Bulaga at right tackle so to me uh, if they were to, to bring in Reisner I think he starts at right guard immediately 
uh, or is at least in that area, is an interior lineman for the Packers day one. Uh, I think they probably cross-train him, and I think that if whenever they decide to move on from Brian Belaga, I think in that case, Reisner would be in that conversation, and that's kind of where bears credence to my, you know, I, I think you probably let him play tackle at first. The long-term goal for the team might be to to let him play guard, you know, maybe let him get beat a few times at tackle and, and kind of have him realize that himself rather mm. than then maybe I don't know if he would fight it necessarily, but there's some times where I think that players can kind of be uh, a little more easily convinced to move to where they're not as comfortable um, once they see, you know, like when the parent scolds the kid and the kid fights back, but really then the kid sees the lesson and he's like, well, I don't know, maybe this is the way to go. I don't know that Reisner would necessarily be unable to succeed at tackle, but I think you're right. I think he's probably a guy that you kick inside. I think his upside as an interior lineman is probably a bit higher, though I guess that doesn't necessarily mean that he couldn't or shouldn't play tackle if whatever team that takes him thinks he can do that. Yeah, and those are good points too. I like the way that you frame that discussion about having him out there and then having the struggles because Reisner's a crazy dude and he's wildly intense. And I mean that in a very good way. Like dude was getting in fights. I believe it was with Zach Allen from Boston College, Mm -hmm. the edge. And then they got in that big circle around the middle of the field in Mobile there during the practices and he wins a rep and he runs across the circle to push uh john gruden which was a, which was a great moment so he's wired a little bit differently i like the way he's wired but i do see him as a guard we'll see what happens with him at the next level a guy that i know is a guard and a guy that i love and is another guy with fantastic agility but is also maybe a little bit undersized too and we kind of saw that in mobile as well but drew samia from oklahoma is a guy that I love and I think is going to play a long time in the NFL. What do you think about Samia? Because I'm pretty high on him. If he's there at 53, I've mocked him there to the Eagles before. I think he's an instant upgrade over Siamalu. So what do you think about his game? See, so the Oklahoma, admittedly, the Oklahoma guards for me are like kind of a tough eval. I kind of, even today, just to brush back up on him, I hadn't seen him really since before the senior bowl, uh, you watch them play Florida Atlantic and it looks like they're playing, you know, a division three team. And then you watch them play West Virginia. It's either that they're rushing three and Kyler and the running backs are going through like crazy, or, you know, they're just opening these huge holes, like I said, against these three man fronts or these five man boxes. But then you watch them play against Alabama and and Mm -hmm. Alabama is so upfield, so fast, you know, and so often that, a lot of times they were kind of put in a poor position. The one thing that I don't really understand, and I need to probably look this up, but Oklahoma's got this weird thing where like their tackles are almost in front of their guards um, or at the very <laughs> least like parallel, um, which mm-hmm. creates some weird level stuff. And you see that at times you know, there's the play where Ben Powers had tried to, to power over power step down and, and ended up on his butt against Quinn and Williams, stuff like that. Right. So Samia, the first thing, obviously, like he's really athletic. You know, you like that. He has that movement ability. I don't think he's completely out of the realm of the Siamalu mold either. You know, just a, an athletic interior guy that I think he could play center as well. Yeah. He's got tackle experience in college as well. So there's a lot of that yep. there. He's a light lineman and mm-hmm. it's very clear how he plays because <laughs> he almost got in like four different fights in that Alabama game. When you, a lot of times when you have these smaller linemen, you know, they've just got this massive chip on their shoulder and they're playing so close to the edge of snapping, like at all times in order to compensate for that, which is fine. And that's what I like about him because he's going to be small in the NFL as well. So he needs that intensity. He needs that, uh, you know, that little extra motivation that kind of, he kind of gives himself there. So I like that about him. I think he's probably, I don't know if, I guess I don't really have a super strong opinion about it, so I won't argue too much. But yeah, I'd either say in that late second round or, or that early third round spot, he's got some issues he needs to clean up. But, you know, the floor there is very high. Uh, and, and I think with the athleticism yeah. and the movement ability, especially in Philadelphia's offense, I think that he can be taken. I don't know if he would 
be asked to start immediately, but I think that's certainly a, a situation that he could thrive in. So there's the thinking on Drew Samia again. Love him. And when we come back, we're going to talk about another Oklahoma lineman and talk about one of your Badgers, Owen. That's up next after the break here on Bleeding Green Nation. Okay, so let's talk about the other Oklahoma guard. Since it's, you know, it's interesting you bring up the levels thing. And sometimes what can happen, and we've we've seen this with Philadelphia when they struggled with stunts early on in the year, the levels between like uh, Wiz and, and Peters wasn't right, or between Siamalo and Peters wasn't right, and they really struggled. And it's weird that Oklahoma lines up that way, but they pick up stunts so well. That's another thing from Samia's game and especially Ford's game that I really liked is their recognition of stunts and their ability to pass them off and deal with it in a, as, as a team and really work well together that way. So that's something that should appeal to Eagles fans, knowing the struggles that we had, especially in the early year against the Titans and other teams like that. But the other guard, we'll go to the other side, to the left side, where Ben Powers is your starter for Oklahoma there. they got so many good linemen on that line. Kyler Murray had like 15 seconds each drop back, but that's another story for another day. What do you like about Powers? So I really like Powers. I think uh, he's not a fit for the Eagles, um, to be honest. I, I Right, I agree. He's much more of a technician than Samia is. Samia plays so much yeah. on that, like I said, that edge that – he plays with emotion and he plays with with athleticism. We'll deal with it when we get there. Uh, shoot and ask questions <laughs> later. Powers is yeah. much more dependent on his his ability. He's really good with his hands. He's, a, he's much more of a tactician because he needs to be. Uh, he doesn't have that that special athleticism. I think he could play center in a typical zone scheme. I think with uh, you know you wouldn't want to ask him to do a lot of the stuff what Kelsey does, but as much as you can do to confine his space, I think is probably mm. his best bet. I think he's a better pass protector. Uh, than Samia is as far as a just a take on kind of guy like you know if he's coming... yeah and, he, and you I think to me he keeps his half man relationship better yeah uh, like I said Samia with a lot of that jump set and stuff because he's just so quick and so able to do that Powers is much more the prototypical to me he's he's a bit easier to, of an eval for me because he plays kind of how I had to due to the athletic yeah. uh, limitations there or just <laughs> not having that that ability to kind of improv on the move there. So I like him a bit more. I think he's probably uh, an early day three guy. I agree. And I think he could play in a gap scheme as well. And I think that's something where he said he's a good puller. Oklahoma asked him to pull quite a bit more than Samia did because they did so much of the rollout to the right stuff with Kyler Murray. But And they do a lot of that counter stuff too with the, the yeah. guard tackle pulls. But to me, he's probably more of a gap scheme, more of a man scheme guy. But, you know, like I said, could probably play zone uh, or play in a zone scheme as a center. Uh, and he's a bit, like I said, he's a different style of lineman than what the kind of what Philadelphia goes for. But to me, I think he's an easy guy again, that he's that you draft him and don't worry about it for five years. I like that because I, I saw the same thing from powers. I didn't think you really fit what the Eagles did, but I like the context you bring with the possible move to center there, develop them there. So I like powers this game. I just don't know if he's an exact fit for the Eagles. Like you said, the athletic limitations, we need our guys to get out in space and, and move and do a lot of pulling as well. But let's get to one last guy here. Let's talk about one of your guys there from Wisconsin, who's possibly a tackle, but I'm seeing a lot of people that want to kick him in. I'm not sure I have a big opinion. I have him listed as an interior offensive lineman because I think he graded out higher in that area for me. But let's talk about Michael Dieter. Am I saying that correctly? You are. Okay. His freshman, redshirt freshman year at UW was the first year after I had graduated and when I really started to be able to give my undivided attention in the fall to the Badgers. He's been the best Lyman, the Badgers have had to me, like outside of the one year that Ryan Ramchek played that Wisconsin has had. He has 54 career starts, I believe. 14 of them were at left tackle, played parts of two different years at center, but he's played all three spots on the line. Not a freak athlete. I'd say he's 
hair more athletic than than Ben Powers, but a lot of that same way. To me, though, Dieter is 100% ready-made for the NFL run game. Hmm. Really good with his hands. He plays nasty. He's looking to finish. He gets his hands inside, and he's able to run his feet. He's also a lot better at the second level than I would have expected. After his sophomore year, he really struggled in that regard. Um, the last two years, they moved him out to tackle kind of a last-second thing at the end of spring ball, and it kind of stuck, uh, hmm. and, and he ended up playing – basically playing tackle his junior year in order to get Tyler Biotish on the field, kind of took one for the team. Biotish, a, a center prospect we'll be talking about in about a year. Yeah. But Michael Dieter is is uh, a guy that probably the media and, and us Dravniks have probably gotten bored with a bit yeah. because he just doesn't have much to complain about. He's still developing as a pass blocker for sure. The thing I really like about him is he's seen like literally every type of pass protection scenario that you're going to see he played left tackle by himself against nick bosa he played inside uh he played inside against michigan guys like chris wormley two years ago guys like ryan glasgow and and all those guys and maurice hurst exactly they've had a lot of guys that um you know he's seen gerald willis (laughs) there's just not going to be much that he hasn't seen or dealt with so while Technique wise, he certainly got a ways to go. Just like I would say about any offensive lineman from Wisconsin, much more comfortable moving forwards than backwards. Uh, but to me, and he's he's a day one starter uh, inside uh, wherever he wants to, wherever you want to play him. I think he can play center. I think I would probably play him at guard, but I think he can play center in the NFL. I think he could play tackle, uh, like I mentioned earlier with the Tobin thing. If you needed to get out of a game, um, yeah. you know, where you had your left tackle and your your swing tackle got hurt, I think he could probably play there or bump over to right, and for you can get a quarter and a half out of him or, or enough to get out of that week. But he's he's definitely an inside guy for me. And I remember before the end of 2017, uh, there were some thoughts that he, Ben Shaw, and Dave Edwards could all leave early. Uh, and, yeah. and I had mentioned to him, I was like, well, you know, have you, have you heard anything or have you looked? And he's like, no, I haven't talked to any scouts. He's like, but I certainly know it's not a tackle. So <laughs> that's what he's going to believe that as well, that the, that the league doesn't I don't think they really see him as a tackle. And, you know, obviously self-aware. I know as a junior, he had a touchdown catch on like a tackle eligible thing against Illinois, <laughs> but he's an inside guy. And, and he's, uh, like I said, to me in Wisconsin guys, and, and I say this as a Wisconsin fan, but also as a as a draft guy and just as a, a football evaluator a bit that Wisconsin O-linemen are about as ready-made as you're going to get. Um, you know, they might not have the athletic upside as some guys or they don't have a lot of the sexy athleticism or testing numbers and stuff. But like I said, Michael Dieters started 54 games for the University of Wisconsin, played Alabama in his career. He played LSU. Uh, they played Miami twice, played Michigan. They played Ohio State. They played Michigan State. They played Penn State. He's seen about any test he's going to see uh, in college, and he's about as prepared you know, as any, I think any lineman from that respect will be coming into this class. So to me, I think he would work really well for you guys as a center, as a guard, excuse me. Um, I think he would be an upgrade over Siamalu and have some of that versatility to be able to snap, um, which I know that Siamalu's had issues with in the past, is like I said, the emergency ability to play tackle if needed. But um, I think he's a guy that, like I said, is being overthought quite a bit. Hmm. Uh, I think he probably should be picked somewhere around 50 or so for my liking. If, if Lindstrom's the 30th, around the, say that 30 to 35 range i think Dieter's probably should be somewhere around 50 to 60 hmm. from what we've seen you might go a bit later than that but to me he's one of my favorite linemen in this class and, and to me 
you know, he's a no brainer. Uh, like I said, just uh, about as safe of a guy as you can get in this class. Yeah. I mean, the Eagles pick at 53 and 57. So that would be an enticing pickup. And I like the way that, that you framed that the Eagles like versatility in their linemen. And if they are going to let Malo go, who's on a very tentative contract and has got a bunch of option years and all that, and it's like a wait and see, we'll see if you're a starter and then we'll pay you just a little bit. But if they can get a guy that can be an upgrade over him, that would be awesome for this offensive line as they try to protect Carson Wentz and get that run game going. So great stuff on all those dudes, Owen. Before we go, man, plug yourself, plug where you work, let people know where they can find you. Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter. It's at Reese Draft, R-I-E-S-E, Draft. Um, I write for Bucky's Fifth Quarter, the SB Nation site for the Wisconsin Badgers. Write for Inside the Pylon sometimes. One of the favorite pieces I've ever done uh, for inside or ever as a writer uh, was for Inside the Pylon. The decision making is not linear. Mm-hmm. Kind of the uh, piggyback on on our buddy Mark Schofield piece about quarterbacks. I made one for the offensive line. So uh, make sure to check that out. Uh, also, if you haven't already, uh, or if you want to take a look at it, order the uh, Cheesehead TV draft guide. It's mm-hmm. a draft guide made by all Packer fans uh, with a bit of the lens or the perspective uh, in a Packers. Packers direction but but certainly we have a lot of a lot of talented guys work on that a lot of hard work was put into that and uh I believe over 250 or 300 players we've got in there so it's an awesome resource and uh it's pretty cheap too so make sure to check that out make sure you do that gentle listeners Owen always a pleasure man I'll see you soon it's only like what nine months something like that until the next senior bowl yeah well when you and Solak come up for that uh <laughs> Philly game in Green Bay we'll see you then too so. let's go <laughs> G-N!